You're listening to a Time Machine podcast. Old movie Time Machine. An adventure through time and or space. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Old Movie Time Machine. You know what we do on this show. We're watching color films made in the old U.S. of A. between the years of 1945 and 1965 as windows into the past. And we're going to climb through these windows, and on the other side, in that world, the past, we're going to poke around, we're going to take a look at the world as it was during this pivotal era following the Second World War. And while we do that, we're going to be asking questions. Such as, who are these people? What are their habits? How are they treating each other? What decisions are they making and why? Also, guys, never forget, it's arguably the most important part. What are they wearing and what do their living rooms look like? And then at the end of the show, we're going to ask the final, vital, ultimate question on behalf of all humanity. This movie we just watched. Guys. Guys. We're going to keep watching this. We're going to really keep putting this on, press and play, rewinding the tape, watching it again, or the DVD, if you will, or Blu-ray or streaming or whatever the current medium is in whatever future year you're listening to this. Do we need to keep carrying this on to the next generation? I ask you in a very stern voice, the answer to be determined. Look, I'm your host through time and or space, Justin Zeppa, joined as ever by my international panel of fabulous, brilliant experts, the most brilliant people I know I've assembled here today. Both of them are here, starting across the table from me. You know her, you love her, you need her. Shrishma Naik is back in the office. Hey, guys. How's it going? I'm going to talk like this for the rest of the show because this is how... That's how they do it, see? That's how they do it. That's how dames do it. That's all I could say. Just the facts. (laughs) That's the facts. Yeah, right. Um, the dig site for Boom Room. Yeah, how's it going uh, over there? Good, good. Okay, um, I know that we got an additional site set up, and it, it's we got another site. Right, Do we right? have to? We had to buy another lot. No, we got it for free. Oh, we got you know we got a deal. Did you move some stakes around over? Maybe. Oh, okay, right. okay. I mean, things happen. Who's keeping track of that right. stuff anyway? Exactly. Right. Shushma, glad you're here. Let's bring on our final contestant slash panelist slash person I am related to. Her name is Carolyn Nowrose, and she is my sister and yours. Hi, sis. Hi. Sorry that your qualification is always that you're my sister. That's not fair. You are so many more things than that. It's one of the most important um, roles I've ever played in my in my life, though. <laughs> All right. No lying to the people. They paid good money for this. Some of them. You should also join us on Patreon since, and give us your good money. Since we are... Um, Missing a few international panelists today. Mm, indeed, I, indeed. I do want to let you know that I brought someone else on our end Ooh. specifically for today's movie who I think will help us uh, a little bit. Might not have a lot to say, but canine officer Murphy is here recording with me oh, today. So um, we got a canine unit in the house. <laughs> the canine okay. unit's in the house for today's movie. Okay. We got sniffers, everybody. 5 0. We got sniffers. <laughs> Is that what you say? Yeah, when you, no. When you bring him outside? Just call it canine unit. It's 5-0. We got sniffers. No. Take him outside and we go take a break, Murphy. 
That's the official Shushma, that's official police code. Okay. You can quote me on that. Right. Sniffers, yes. Sniffers. Mm-hmm. But five O is correct. Five O is definitely correct. Right. I've heard In certain five neighborhoods. O. Yeah, right. right. Sure, sure. Um five O, what does that mean, Carolyn, to you? <laughs> I, I mean, okay, well, yeah, right now in this no. social context, it's not a good thing to be like, oh, five, oh. I redact the question. I'm taking it back. I re- I'm retracting the question. Sorry. Sorry. We can't even, we can't even scratch the surface of what goes on underneath there. You guys, no. we're talking about Dragnet today. Oh, wait, the other, sorry, the other panelists you will, of course, have been accustomed to at this point are not at the table, as you can hear. Catherine Sherlock you guys are never going to believe that. It's always something at our office, right. right? You know what I'm talking about? Today, it was the router. And, you oh, know, like, right. you wouldn't think of that on a construction site. You know, we've got a little trailer out on the out on the site, right? You right. know, you, yeah. you're always there. You've got a little desk. Yeah, well, you were. And yeah. you didn't need to. I, know, I mean, it's drivable it within cool. your house. Uh, is it that Convenient. cool? Okay. <laughs> Private. She's dedicated. Right. The uh, the Wi-Fi router over there, total meltdown for whatever reason. I don't know what you're streaming over there, Trish, mm. but, but Catherine- you like to know? Well, <laughs> I mean, we get, we get the bills. We right. could check, I'm sure. No, call our check. internet service provider. But let's not check. Uh, we don't really want to know. No, no, no. We don't need to know. We don't need to know. <laughs> but uh, Catherine Sherlock has gone to get us a new router and is standing in line. It's something about, I don't know, the hertz, the gigahertz, whatever. It's, we're not getting the connectivity that mm-hmm. Catherine Sherlock demands. You know, she's always on social and everything. Right. So she needs a high bandwidth right. for all the media and content that she's pumping out into the, the world, mm-hmm. right? So she's doing that. She's very busy right now. Also very busy, uh, Brindis Reinisdotter, right. a.k.a. the accountant, a.k.a. the trust buster, a.k.a. the atomic lady. She is actually, uh, because she is the most responsible person at the table, she has actually been called to, you guys are never going to believe this, Washington, D.C. She's she's being brought before Congress to speak on behalf of our program, Old Movie Time Machine, and The Boom Room, which we're being told is... Some, there's some kind of federal obstruction involved with the uh, the building, and I tell you, the House and the Senate, neither of them are very happy with us right now. Okay. So she has gone there. But I moved the sticks. Remember? I, I, that might be the issue, actually. <laughs> Did you send Brindis to Congress? Is that what happened? Oh, maybe I didn't make the connection. Oh shit! I, I need mean, to look into this. Do we? <laughs> yeah, I think you might. You might have wanted to do that ahead of time. Because now we've lost a fifth of our crew <laughs> to a bunch of depositions and statements oh, and worst. House committee panel, closed door panels and everything. She'll be, she'll be there. We're, we're going to try to tune in to hear some of her testimony if it's ever uh, broadcast. But uh, till further notice, she is out. It's a uh, it's a real drag. Speaking of drags, you guys, mm. you know, this movie. When I go, <laughs> well played. <laughs> Guess what I use when I'm out hunting for. Movies like this, total drags. A dragnet. A dragnet. Thank oh you. Well, all right. All right. All right. <laughs> that fell as flat as this movie. That is. That is how this movie is. Yeah. This is a real drag net. This right. one. 1954. Jack Webb presents Jack Webb in Dragnet. Guys, can we talk about one line reviews here? Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. I'm going to blow your mind. Carolyn Now Rose, what is your one-line review? You never get to go first, but it's a special kind of day because, you know, the kids are gone. 
I would like to retitle this movie, The Snooze Fest of 1954. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Kind of transmitting your thoughts on Dragnet 1954. Okay. Right. Very good. Shrishma Naik. What's your one-line review of Dragnet? Honestly, the best I could come up with is just, you know, white people doing white people shit. Yeah, very much so. (laughs) This Um, is kind of the template. I just, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what else to say about it. Uh, Um, Well, all you can say is we know he's guilty. We just need to prove it. Right. Yeah. Uh, Is that your one-line review, Justin? (laughs) No, no. (laughs) My one-liner is... The story of a detective with a boner for making arrests and harassing suspects and a knack for inventive ashtrays. A lot of interesting ashtray activity in this film. It is the one redeeming aspect of it because all the other boxes don't really get ticked for this one. Yeah, so 1954, this puts us smack in the uh, Eisenhower era, like the, the real, I mean... This is the start of the 50s at this mm-hmm. point. If the 40s kind of drag themselves into the early 50s, as we've talked about in the past, as, as generations and decades are wont to do, you know, if, if the late 40s and early 50s are the sort of Korean hangover of the, of the world war, then at this point, 54, now we're in pure boom times. Okay. Now it's really happening. And yet at the same time, it's still has a certain aftertaste of the 1940s. The dames talk, right? A lot of dames talk. It's very, I don't know, roaring 20s, if anything. It's like 25 years out of date, it feels like. But basically, all this comes down to is that the story you're about to see is true, and the names have been changed to protect the innocent, right? Did you know this was a television show, Shrishma Nike? Yes, so I did some back reading. Oh, did you? Okay, did you... You did some research? You I did, did some research. You did a light Google and research? <clears throat> I what did do some research. Teach us. It was a radio series. Mm. And then it was made into a movie. And it's the blueprint for the police procedural show. <laughs> <laughs> for times to come. Yes. Okay. So, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but is it? would that be a fair assessment? It's, I think so. Yes. In American media. Yes. Okay. It's just yeah. boring. Okay. But guys, come on. It's we're not too far removed from law and order. Right. No, I mean thing. for it to be like, you know, the as someone who enjoys a good like police drama and crime investigation, like I like the genre. Mm-hmm. Um and so if this was where it started, mm-hmm. I suppose there's some kind of okay, that's cool. Like I get it. It's really like it's a shitty movie. Like I, I would not like I didn't like the movie. <laughs> Um, but I was like, I don't, you know, first it was really boring, but if that has evolved into some of the shows I enjoy today, then yeah, cool. I guess that's cool. I don't know. What else do you say? Um, yeah. I mean, is, and, and ultimately we'll find out at the end of the show, but is that enough to justify this thing's existence in the world at this point? Just because it was the first, does it mean it's the best or worth keeping around? So. Keep that in the back of your brain box, all right? Fair question. Carolyn, did you do any light research for Dragnet, by the way, that you would like to share with us? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, I did Google some stuff. Um, but also, like, this this is so related to my actual job that I light research mm. on it. I mean, I've spent two different graduate degrees researching police and police work. So Now, yeah. the, the police work that you actually see Detective Joe Friday and Frank do, mm-hmm. I mean, is that kind of covered in like the first two weeks of any of these programs that you are a graduate of? I mean, it seems pretty elementary. 
Yes. Also, I mean, this is, I will say 1954 predates like Miranda laws. Miranda v. Oh, Arizona really? was like mid sixties. Wow. Okay. So, so just to like put it, right. right. So just to yeah. put in the context, there's no like, you know, rights being read to anyone. And mm. they, if you're like, well, that's not right. It's, well, it wasn't around then. <laughs> no rights being read. That sounds like a Miranda wrong. You yes. know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um, uh, Thank you. Full of them today, yeah. Justin. <laughs> We're crackling. Crackling with this energy. This, <laughs> this dragnet energy. This dragnet energy. It's all we can do with it. But I think the good part it was only like, an hour and a half, I guess. One hour and 28 minutes. Not yeah. that anybody's counting. Right. But <laughs> so it, it ended quickly. <laughs> yeah, right. We get, a, we get a cold open. A very rare in this era cold open of a man being ushered out into a field. And he is blown away by another guy uh, with a shotgun. So there are three people. One guy ushering him. The guy who's being ushered. And then the guy who shoots the one being ushered. Mm -hmm. Very confusing way of putting that. Don't know why I did it. But anyway, he gets... <laughs> to he gets, make the movie more exciting. Yeah, he gets, <laughs> he gets two shotgun shells and then dude uh, reloads the shotgun and then empties it yet again into him to make sure he's extra dead. Right. Good and dead. Good and dead. And then we cut to the infamous Dragnet badge. Sergeant Joe Friday. Sergeant, Sergeant Joe Friday, the 714th they, officer. They, of the, when he died, they retired his badge number. Did they really? They do. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this show uh, was just like... It was publicity for... Yeah, it was pu exactly. Publicity for LAPD for and uh, William H. Parker and his whole paramilitary or organization of law enforcement and... You know, and talking about like the years after World War II and boom time in America, that's really where policing as we know it kind of changes because men coming out of the military with that kind of understanding of, mm. uh, of, of a public organization were like, yeah, no, I can go do this whole policing thing. Yeah. You're going to give me a gun and some authority. Let's go do this. Right. And, but let's to, clean it up. To Shrishma's point, white people doing white people things. <laughs> yeah. We really do like policing. We should it not be surprised that in the 1990s, there were race riots in Los Angeles. Right. Yeah. 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 So this is all participant of that. Uh, funny, you never see a minority in this motion picture. It's one. a zero and on the minority like watch. women and they're all like <laughs> tools to the to their ploy. Right. One of them is a career woman and she has quickly written off right. the uh, program. So, I just really want to see you make sergeant. Do you? Do you really? <laughs> then stop dressing me in a ball gown, fucker. Sorry. I have some opinions about that. So we uh, we get Jack Webb who is who plays Joe Friday and who also directs this film. Uh, we get his voiceover. He likes himself. Oh, yeah. He's really into himself, and he's really into talking like this, and you better take him seriously. Gosh darn it. <laughs> so we go to the crime lab where they're looking at the evidence uh, found around the body. So they it turns out the body is an ex-convict, mm -hmm. and this is speculated to be a gangland killing. So we get the... Carol, and this is pretty much what 
what crime labs look like nowadays, right? You've got an actual basements. human, a human skull <laughs> sitting on top of a radio <laughs> no. and a bunch of like apothecary jars back here. <laughs> like what is this, this ether we're, we're doling out the, the one lone light bulb hanging out uh, over their heads. First of all, the, the guy who died is an ex convict. Yes. Right. Yes. That's so they're, I mean, okay. Miller Starkey is his name. Okay. Yeah. Fine. That's all. Never forget. <laughs> Free Miller. Starkey. Okay. <laughs> Carolyn, how many semesters did you spend studying the human skull? Just zero. That doesn't even look like a human skull. <laughs> I probably spent more time with a human skull when I was in that Shakespeare class in high school. And what about the pyrochloric chloride or whatever? Yeah, no. How much of that are you drinking a day? Forensics is not my specialty. Okay, well then let's let's get out of the lab here. Okay, so we're going to the hotel. We have to check out one of our popular things. It's called the hat index. We mm. need to see where society in the United States is with wearing hats in public right now. And right, I'll tell you right now, 1954, the hat index is high. Very There's high. a lot there of hats lot happening of right hats. here. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people. Five of out of seven are wearing hats right now. And one of these is, uh, this is uh, the wife of one of the suspects, I believe. Yeah, so criminals will, don't wear hats. We will run into her later. You know she's a criminal, and he's a criminal too. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's the main guy, That's right? him. This that's is Max the, Troy? Yeah. Okay. Uh, they're hatless and therefore sinners and criminals. See, the other problem in this movie is they all look the same to me. Who are these? The white. You mean doing the white, 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 white middle-aged yeah, men? Right. <laughs> The gray men in gray suits all look the same to you. Yeah. I don't understand why that could possibly be. I was like, wait, what, a, what? What? Yeah. And then I had to pay attention. Well, all the suspects do look the same. I mean, I guess that's kind of the idea is that like, oh, you know, okay. well, pick them out of a lineup right, or whatever. Right, you know, so right. they're going to kind of look the same. But the cops, though, there's no reason why they should be exactly the same. So, yeah, this is Max Troy. He's suspect number one. And they sit him down and... We have to do a brief ashtray inventory because there are ashtrays in this hotel there room. There are, and they're always smoking also. There, a lot of smoking in this film. And this is the first time that we've seen they make Max Troy, the suspect number one, they make him use his hand as an ashtray. So that does count in our official count of ashtrays in this space. It's not a flat surface. Well, I mean, it is when he flips it over, but like mm -mm. it's not resting on anything. And it's a great idea. Uh, you know, he asked, he requests the ashtray because he's a civilized potential criminal. And Friday's like, you already got one, which is uh, really inventive on his part. It's the most interesting part of Joe Friday, I think, is his cruelty, uh, his sort of <laughs> what is eye for an ashtray. Uh, we, <laughs> we're going to see it later. He, uh, it comes out later. So, yeah, so Max Troy, he's the one who's talking about dames this and dames that. And, you know, some dames like it and some dames don't like it. And, you know, what do you want from me, you screw? <laughs> and then if, <laughs> a lot of dame talk. And then this just winds up with, now get off of my back and hand me that ashtray, which eventually he does receive. And we get mm -hmm. ashtray cam here, mm -hmm. the best shot of this film. And it's not even close, really. If they were just like, hey, this ashtray is made of glass. We could shoot this man's yeah. face through it. Check it out. So he does get to use an ashtray. Uh, we then cut to later. I just wanted to point out that they ordered room service and they have eaten it. So no food has been wasted so far. This oh, man's Frank's actually back here. Back he's still picking away on a little, <laughs> little uh, I don't know if those are sardines or what, but he's really digging in there. I do believe that there are 
including his hands and the glass ashtray, at least two ashtrays in this space. So basically, they just hammer him about the victim and like the last time that he saw him. And again, the victim's name is uh, Miller Starkey, who could forget, right? And they're just like, Miller Starkey, when did you see him? And he's just like, yeah, I saw him around. You're like, well, what day was it? A Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday? And he's just like, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. They also are uh, really the- grilling just innocent yeah, people. Yeah, they're very like, yeah, abrasive. Like, well, yeah, I, mean, I guess that's their their way. That's their shtick. Wait, so Carolyn, you're saying that they wouldn't take this tack nowadays? Well, this, the whole uh, yeah, one of the, giving them the third degree, right? No, one of the number one things for and this is just major social changes in law enforcement is that now you have to think about your basically your customer service. Mm-hmm. And how nice you are to the public and how much respect you give the public. Like, this well, is... like the public pays your salaries. Right. So, this <laughs> oh, is a wait, prime reason wait. of why we have to move... We've we've had to move away from this style mm-hmm. of policing is because... Yeah. You know, they're just going... Like, this, this, is, this these poor kitchen staff... people don't staff, like cops. Right. This, yeah. The poor kitchen staff is like, why are you talking to me? Like, why are you <laughs> yelling at me? So, anyway, after they... They're beating up and, and well, not beating up, but after interrogating Max Troy, they eventually send him back to his room to hang out. And he's kind of outraged that he has to stay there. But they're like, well, I mean, we invent the laws. It's the 1950s. And it turns out that Joe Friday has a little uh, listening deck in his closet where he can listen in. All the rooms are wired for sound. He can listen in on any pervy nonsense he wants to from from the closet of that hotel room, that lucky guy. So... Then they get an alert that they just found a quote unquote eyeball witness, an eyeball witness. And they say it twice in the span of like 30 seconds, which makes me wonder, were we not using the term eye for eyeball in the 1950s? Could be. Eyewitness. Eyeball witness. I don't need the ball. Your eye. Eyewitness. Which research now shows that eyewitness testimony is really like... Eyeball witness. Eyeball witness. <laughs> well, of course, of course. But is it eyeball or eye, or, or, or eye? It started as eyeball. eyeball. When does it? I just want to know when it condenses to something oh, more user friendly. I think it condensed eyeball. in Who's ever using eyeball? Even optometrists or uh, ophthalmologists. Avert your they? eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> Who is saying that? I don't know. Avert your eyes. In the 1950s. I've got my eyeball on you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> 1975. That's when I eyeball became I. Yes. Okay, lock it in. <laughs> I don't know. Just just curious. Hey, language is a curious a thing. Fair, fair, fair question. When when did I they do, get to a point yeah. where they're just like, guys, eyeball? Like we know it's round. Like we all know eyes. We're looking at eyes with our eyes. Okay, it's just like call when it you say eye. any word way too many times, and all of a sudden it just completely like divests the meaning that it had and you're like who came up with this who came up with language who said this was the way to do it that's so true because language is just sounds that you can look at with your eyeballs that we process to make sense and here with your earballs. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly we have drums. Many different forms of language communication, alphabet systems, writing systems. Smoke gets in your eyeballs, eyeballs right? <laughs> it's a fun game, folks at home. Replace common usage of the word eye with eyeball and just see how your life changes. Long eyeball. See if that paints a picture of this time and place. Or don't. That's also acceptable. <laughs> You're fine. 
Step aside, step aside, that's right, it's me, the commercial voice from time and or space, coming to you to interrupt this uh, incredible program that we're delivering to you right now. I mean, I think we make a promise and we deliver each and every time, but not without this interruption to tell you about the merch store. We have a new design, you guys. This one comes courtesy of brand new patron. Uh, let's call him Davey. You know, this is the type of class A treatment that you get when you join the paywall over on the Patreon. Links in the show notes, you guys. Same with the T Public Store, which is where you can find Davey's requested design, which is going back to our, I think, episode five or six, Dr. No in which our own Catherine Sherlock describes the very first James Bond movie as one filled with cheeky winks and easy violence. That's right, and nothing describes our show better either. So it's terribly apt, and we have now placed it on merch for you to buy. And we ask that you do that, and if you do right now, I will thank you. I'm not even going to wait for you to do it. I know your hand is on your wallet right now. Thank you so much, and back to the show. So at this point, we get a lot of hot habeas corpus writ action coming at us fast and furious. They've got the warrants. They're ready. And really, it's just scenes being summarized by the voiceover. Interesting narrative choice here. This is the, you know, the storytelling, the language of film, right? And they kind of advise young screenwriters to like, just keep the voiceover out of it for as long as you possibly can. I know you want to do it. I know we all saw train spotting and we loved it. But you were not Irvine Welsh or Danny Boyle or Ewan McGregor. So just keep the voiceover out of it and just write the people doing the thing that they're actually talking about. In this film- Show, don't tell. Exactly. And they have ignored that here and they're just telling- Actually, it's a little combination. They're telling and they're showing you exactly what you're seeing as well. So we get full conversations between people where not a word of their conversation is heard, but we're told what the contents of- conversation were. I guess it makes it more policey to do it this way, you guys. I guess we're really dragging it. So we then meet Grace Downing. Uh, Also, just want to point out on Friday's desk, he does have an ashtray right here. But Grace Downing is going to be, they need somebody who can go undercover at the red spot, they decide. So who are we going to get? We're going to get some, one of these tart lady cops over here, and we're going to put her undercover. Now, they don't put it that way, and they actually treat her with a They're little nice bit of her. respect. Yes, that you know, and she, to her credit, Grace Downing t- takes all of this in good humor as they send her undercover. And when they do so, they strip her of all and any... Uh, indications that she is an officer of the law, to which I'm thinking, I mean, this is like an elaborate procedure of like, you know, and then, uh, you know, take your badge off and then take your gun out and, and take the bullets out and then take the badge off your hat and then take your jacket off and just take it all off. It just became a bit extreme. I thought at a certain point, just, just leave it in your desk. You know, you're not coming right. back here. You're going undercover. Like, is this a full, was there a reason for this? Like she had to take it off of her hat. Like she's going to wear that hat out into society. Like it's a normal bloody hat. I mean, I guess if ever there's a time it's 54 as the hat index indicates, but it's just, uh, it seems silly to me that they would do that, but maybe they just liked having a bunch of cop stuff that they could, you know, uh, Zoom in on uh, later, as we see here. It's probably like really progressive that they were showing "quote unquote" lady cop stuff. She's got yeah. a badge, and she is Officer One Hundred Five, or possibly Four Hundred Five. I think it's one. One Hundred Five. So she's pretty early in the uh, in 
anyway, we get her badge as well. Anyway, she's going undercover to go set up the bug at the red spot. And before she goes to do that, Frank, Joe's sidekick, uh, gives her, as we were discussing, some fashion advice. Something you might want to wear at a, at a place like the red spot. And it goes on far too long. Like five minutes. It's, oh my God. it's just a lengthy thing. I think we're all supposed to be laughing you know, because who is, who is Frank to be given this lady advice on anything, let alone her fashion? And that's the joke. So I hope you guys were rolling on the floor. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Thank you. I uh, also wanted to point out that in this office, which appears to be an office slash locker room for the police, there are several calendars. I just wanted to look back over her shoulder here. We have a wall calendar. Nobody knows what the date is. This is clearly a full year calendar over here. Brought to you by Hyatt Roller Bearings. Interesting. A ball bearings calendar. Anyway, rule number one of police work, Carol, I think you'll agree, is know what day it is, right? (laughs) Um, Correct. How can you How are you going to take notes, right? Yeah, exactly. My thoughts exactly. And I'm not even a police officer. So then we go to the uh, commanding officer's office where we see double ashtrays on this meeting table. So they're they're accustomed to really going through the Chesterfields in this room. And he has news of a bug at the red spot. They're like, we found the place. We're recording this stuff. And it turns out that maybe undercover officer Grace has been burned. So they got to get her out. They have to extract her from that situation before it's too late. And so she can make sergeant, which we all want to see, of course. So they go to the red spot as as backup because another team is over there and they go to extract Grace. Uh, every table in this place has an ashtray, I would like to note. Uh, she leads them around the block, just like True Detective in one shot. She leads them around the block to the back where they find a box of shells with four missing four shotgun shells missing she's like you're never gonna believe this and she is promptly rewarded for her good police work by being removed from the assignment she has been burned possibly but we got to get her out of here very well grace well done yeah a hand for grace so so then these guys start doing some surveillance and we get some heavy surveillance smoking in this scene as well they're just hanging out in this basement apartment with a random Fordham uh, pennant My alma tacked mater. to the wall. Yeah, Carolyn, did you get a little misty seeing that Fordham pennant up there? Yeah, actually, David got really excited. He's like, oh, Fordham. a Fordham pennant? And we were all like, hmm, where do I get, why? Where do I get one of them? <laughs> School spirit. It's a real thing. They've got a little... School spirit, although that is also a New York institution. It is Los Angeles. Yeah, that's true. So I'm, this I'm place, a little confused. This surveillance situation looks entirely New York to me. Like when they, they're looking out the window across the street and everything, it looks very New York. Right. They have plenty of pencils, though, with complete erasers so they can make their notes. And this is where we see, uh, let's see. So at this point, we're listening in on one of the suspects, Reinhardt, who reveals that Davitz has been killed. And they're a little disappointed in that because he was one of their key people. But more important than that, we see Joe Friday use innovative ways with an ashtray, by which I mean skipping this ashtray next to this coffee cup, throwing it right into the coffee cup to end his cigarette. That's outrageous. That's so in purpose. It's right there. You could totally have used that ashtray. But instead, he's like, I'm going to waste a perfectly good cup of coffee as well. (laughs) Fuck it. I hate police work. He loves it. 
Maybe he didn't want to drink the coffee anymore. He was done with well, the I coffee. I should hope not, yes. Like, coffee's garbage. Shit. Basement coffee's garbage in New York, Los Angeles. So he's he's just keeping it real there. Anyway, uh, with news of David's death, they rush to his wife. She freaks out and tells them about a hidden toolbox that they can find in the back of a closet. And in this toolbox, they find the sawed-off end of a shotgun. Ding, 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 ding. You guys, we might be solving some crimes here. So they find the gun in Echo Park Lake, which is where she said, like, yeah, you can find it there. Um, The deputy DA gives the all clear to start making the arrest and bring everybody in. And Friday just can't wait. He's like, he's got all this sheets of paper lined up. He's like, yeah, we pretty much know this. And we pretty much know that. I mean, it's all but solved, guy. Give me the all clear. And and he certainly gets it. So, Do you want to hear about the Fordham pennant before we move on? I would love to hear about this. Why? Because I now had to look it Carol, up. that's why we're here. Tell me everything <laughs> right. you know about it. Okay. So uh, other people have noted that there was a prominent Fordham pennant that appeared on the wall in this basement scene, but it didn't come into the story. Um, and the screenplay was actually written by Richard L. Breen, Fordham class of 1940. Uh, and um, the movie poster from the release also includes the Fordham pennant. It's a, a picture of this particular scene and the uh, Fordham pennant's in it very prominently in the movie poster wow, as well. Wow. Okay. Okay. School spirit to the max then. So, because um, I'm sure I'm like, why else would that be there? So not unlike Saturday Night Live and their Harvard... Crimson bread writing staff. Old school Warner Brothers. It was just Fordham. Okay. Day and night. Bringing you these hits, these classics, right? Oh, boy. So uh, the gang goes over to the All Saints Hospital to go pick up Max Troy. But it turns out Max Troy has died of cancer. Wait, what? I clearly missed this part. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I want to let it hang there because... He died of cancer. They go to pick him up. They finally got all their ducks in a row. Justice is about to swing her mighty sword. Oh, that's what his pills were for in his pocket. Oh. Yeah. Hot gut. For the hot cancer. gut. Cancer is hot gut. That can't be. Is that right? Yeah. Could be cancer in this Yeah. Time. I mean, but that's what he obviously had this Consumption. Mm. Consumption is your lungs. Isn't that cancer? Oh, I, th- I thought. Cons- oh, okay. Was that? I don't know. I thought it was uh, some kind of lung disease. Can I assign you a brief history yes, of cancer? Yes, can. Cancer. <laughs> it's consumption cancer. Yeah. This is the big, another big twist in this rollicking plot. Turns out they can't send him to face justice. He's already died. And Joe Friday kind of looks sad to have missed him, maybe. Missed the arrest. It was going to really make his week. And they walk off. Into the darkness, and that's the end. Of the, and then there's some like thing that they. Yeah, then Mark Seven Productions production logo shows up, and it's a man, yeah, hammering a stamp into a, a stone wall. Consumption is tuberculosis. Oh, okay, okay, the old TB, right? Gotcha. Especially pulmonary tuberculosis. Especially, okay. But how did you feel about this ending, though, guys? Did Was it a, a surprise for you? Do you feel like it was poignant? Do you feel like you learned a lesson? You took something away from this? He's already dead. I think it dead. was very truthful to the criminal justice system. It moved so that, slow? 
It's anticlimactic and it moved really slow. Yeah, okay, okay. So slow that a tumor could grow and consume this man until he died. Correct. I took away not much because I only watched, paid attention to maybe half of it. Um, okay. And then I did the I kept- research for the other part. <laughs> Well, and that research was very appreciated. There's not a whole lot going on here. Yeah, what's the We don't see anything. We we see, okay, so it's the end of the movie. Any final thoughts on this? And then we'll talk about, what, this is the end of the movie? No final thoughts. Okay, I mean, just normally the main character, Joe Friday, we would see some insight into him as a man, Mm. as a human being, a person. Who is Joe Friday? He's not a human being. He's a cop. Yeah, that's right. That's how he likes it. A cop. And that's it. That's all we understand about him. So really, I'm not saying this is a waste of a trip back in time through the windows of time, but I am saying that, you know, we're getting ashtrays, we're getting hats and everything, but we're not getting a lot of insight into who these people are. I mean, they're treating each other terribly. And maybe that's just how it was. So maybe it is insightful. I think in, in the, the, the void, just the fact that it's yeah. it's so blank yeah. that... Uh, if there's no personality, then what? Like, maybe that's why the they've evolved the proceed like that whole genre has evolved so much because you can't mm-hmm, do this. Mm-hmm, so now there's mm-hmm. so many like flavors of it, right? Uh, well, I'd also say that obviously, film, TV, this kind of media has figured out that we like our mm-hmm. characters to be more multifaceted, yeah. which means like. I mean, I can't, it's hard to say that these guys, the good guys are the good guys in this because I'm also like, oh my God, this is terrible police work. You're really not good guys. You're mm-hmm. harassing, mm-hmm. you're harassing people for no good reason. But at the same time, I think the genre works because we t- now we delve into the family life of the detectives. We delve into why they are the mm. way they are. Yeah, like some exactly. of yeah, sort of like the psyche of right. Exactly. What, well, what's the motivation to even be an officer and then a detective and want to deal with these crimes. And I think that's what our more modern interpretations of things about in and around the criminal justice system mm-hmm. are as they show that the police are just as flawed as the criminals and, mm-hmm. you know, morally ambiguous characters, etc. <sighs> Well spoken. That sounds like a better movie, what you were just talking about there, uh, than maybe 1954's Dragnet. But they clearly evolved. They remade it so many times. Have we watched, like, the latest? Well, they, uh, have they done a recent remake of this? I feel like there was one in, like, 2000. Okay, that sounds right. I mean, it seems like something they would remake, if only because uh, Hollywood's inherently lazy, so on and so forth. It's a brand. I know the last big thing this was was a film in the mid-1980s with Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks, and it was a comedy. (laughs) I seem to recall watching it as a kid, and it was not very funny. But so it goes. You know, we grew up kind of having this on in the house because uh, our dad used to watch it on Nick at Night on reruns. There was a really great era in the early 90s where you could watch Dragnet back to back with Get Smart, which is a very good show, actually. Wish we could watch that instead. But here we are, Dragnet. (laughs) Guys, I'm going to ask you the vital question. Are you ready? Are you you ready? Yeah. Yeah, okay. okay. It's Trishman Knight. (laughs) 1954's Jack Webb's Dragnet. Do we keep watching this? So, 
I think I have to give the same answer I gave for War of the Worlds. Okay. In that it set the scene for the genre and I really appreciate the genre. Because of the tropes it establishes. Right. Um, as a standalone movie, no. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, for maybe what it kind of set the scene for, yeah, yeah I, I can appreciate. But okay. outside of that, like, it was, I mean, I couldn't watch it. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's un- it's unwatchable, but we should definitely keep watching it. Is what you're saying? Yeah, and it's in the way in that it has evolved into some some great shows today, right? So because it is formative, right? Seminal, if you will, right? Then that gives it value, and we keep hanging around. Okay, fair enough. Carolyn Nowrose, we keep watching this. No, um, but I agree with Shrishman that I I'm a huge appreciator of of the police drama um, genre, mm-hmm. and I love a good true crime documentary podcast. I love a good detective oriented, you know, miniseries drama. You name it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm all about it. Right? Yeah. Hello. This is it's great, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> This really, really doesn't do anything for me, but make me annoyed and also very tired. (laughs) (laughs) And the fact that they had zero facial expression and it was all monotone, I think really bugged me. I was like, yeah, this is a movie. Zero dimensional film. Zero dimensions. It's just, again, no subtext. Uh, Except for that line about right. the your mom was a dog or whatever, your mom barked, which is uh, I mean I'll give it that one, but <laughs> but it really is what you see is what you're getting, and again it feels like television writing, you know this would be this is easily two and a half episodes of this show. It's just this one right. little hour and a half movie. So Carolyn, you were saying. I think we can mention it in a textbook and yeah. never watch fair. it again. Yeah, That's I'm in, I'm kind of inclined to believe uh, to agree with you. Uh, yes, Shrishma, you are correct. The tropes are here. The things we expect nowadays kind of come from here, but do they also not kind of come from the radio version? If that was first, mm. so is that really? But it's first, the same first? guy, right? Like he wrote the radio show. Oh, did he then, write the radio show? Yeah. Too? Oh, okay. Yes, he did. Okay, great. I'm just going to say that I think I've said this before. I'll definitely say it again. I think maybe there's a better version of this movie waiting for us in the mid 1950s. I could totally be wrong. I will gladly bring it back into the fold because yes, the tropes and also just a sense of uh, what life was like pre Miranda rights yeah, so I'm going to say it's a no from me for right now. Maybe we'll keep an eye on it, though. We'll see. I, there's got to be better crime stuff out there, I would think. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. You guys, we've had a heck of a time with Dragnet today. <laughs> we so sorry about dragged that. it. Didn't we, though? <laughs> but let's talk about next time on Old Movie Time Machine. You guys, we've been working so hard. We went through a premiere week. We've gone through... At least two or three regular weeks. It's time that we take a vacation. We're going on summer summer vacation, you guys. Next week starts summer vacation. We're going to be watching 1954's, oh, same year. Interesting. Let's see if we can find any parallels or something better, at least. We're going to start with 1954's The Long, Long Trailer. 
starring Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball. This movie is about Nikki and Tracy, who are going to be married. Oh, Nikki and Tacy, it says. Nikki and Tacy. Is that a real name? I wonder. We're going to find out next week, you guys. Yes, we'll Sorry, I'm not to get hung up on this. Nikki and Tacy are going to be married. Nikki wants to save up money for a house, but Tacy dreams of starting off with their own home on wheels. A trailer. Oh, a boy. long, long trailer. We're going on a road trip, you guys. Kicking off summer vacation 2022. We will see you next week. Right here on Old Movie Time Machine. Hey, international panel of guests, mm-hmm. Trishman Nike. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. You're the best in the biz. I've been um, had fun today, kind of surprisingly. Really, we were yeah. just kind of we were kind of down on Dragnet know, to start. Uh, dragnet, it's Dragnet. It can be, you it's know, a real Dragnet. We make fun. We make the most of it. We. I feel like we did. We did what we could with this bunch of bones right here. Mm. Um, Carolyn Alrose, thank you so much for joining yeah. us uh, and sharing your <laughs> expertise. Pleasure. On all things Dragnet, you are fan club number one, um, member number one. That's you. Of Dragnet? Of Dragnet. And yes. Ooh. And the, the whole team. Just look at them. <laughs> look at this savvy <laughs> team. Great. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, Bye, Joe Friday. Yeah, Friday. See you later. And so concludes yet another successful episode of Old Movie Time Machine. That's right. We had a great time there. I'm sure you can agree. And if you do agree, which again, I'm sure of, please be aware that there is actually double the content available to you on our Patreon. It's called The Boom Room. The link is in the show notes. It's real easy to find. Just go the thing that you're listening to. Just look at the words attached to it. That's how you do it. But you can go there and you can get the full uncut conversation that we had about this crazy film, Dragnet. Uh, I know you want each and every scintillating detail of that because this shit is crazy. And we call it out for its craziness. So please join us over there. Get the whole picture. Get all the, the juicy details. The stuff that's it's too hot. It's too hot for the free feed. They don't deserve it. You deserve it. It's two bucks a month. You get uncut episodes, more than double the content that you get on the free feed. It's all for you, baby. We treat you real sweet over there. If you doubt it, please write us in at partyline at oldmovietimemachine.com. We want to hear what you have to say about Dragnet. You love law, you hate order, yeah, whatever, whatever your opinion is. We would love to hear it. Tell us what you think. You know, we we're available, apparently. Uh, or, I mean, you, you can at least write us at that address and probably we'll get a nice mailer demon uh, message back at the very least. At the very least. At the very most, my sister comes over to your house and lets you play with her dog. So think about that. And, of course, let's talk about next week. We're watching – it's oh, that's right. It's summer vacation, you guys. We're watching the long, long trailer from 1954. And this is available for you to watch in glorious standard definition, uh, we could really use an HD transfer, you guys, uh, but you know, we take what we can get. You can rent or buy the long, long trailer at Amazon, Vudu, Apple TV, Microsoft, Redbox, and that's about it. So go check out those sources, or you can buy the DVD, I think. I think that's what I did. Uh, so you can check that out. You can, you know, flip on the television at, at random and see if it just shows up. I mean, it, likely it will not. It is from 1954, but it's something else. So we'll, we'll please pack your shorts, bring your beach umbrella, 
and uh, a little thermos of coffee or some kind of, you know, uh, noodle brothy soup, whatever, whatever you got to do. Enjoy your life and enjoy vacation with us as we take our summer break with the long, long trailer. We will see you next Wednesday right here on Old Movie Time Machine.